2: Montana's only daily sports talk show. Nuwana's now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television.
0: Out here, Benny. It's way too hot to play baseball. Not for football, though. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. New on is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. I waited to have my first caffeine until right now, so we're ready to roll. I'm sweaty. Uh, we just got back from a couple hours in the sun, but uh, fall camp football practice here in Missoula and around the state of Montana is underway. So. We might as well talk about it. There's plenty going on here in the Treasure State, both here uh, in the Garden City, where we're broadcasting from. By the way, it's nuanced now here on ESPN Radio, Uh, as well as in Bozeman. As the wide world of Division I college football shifts, some would say craters, some would say erodes, some would say just realigns, regardless, a weekend of profound, cataclysmic, But if you've been listening to this show, completely expected change at the top level of Division I college football. As with everything, there will be dominoes, there will be repercussions. How does it affect Montana, Montana State, the rest of the Big Sky Conference? We will certainly discuss all that, but then we'll also focus on the teams we cover, our bread and butter here. Uh, at Nuana's now, the Montana Grizzlies took the practice field for the first time today after a intensive three-day install. I asked Bobby Houck about that. Why uh, do you spend three days in the classroom before you take the practice field? I He elaborated on that a little bit. Also, Montana State, they've been rolling their uh, fall camp practices going on in Bozeman since last Thursday. Uh, so we're underway. We're off and running. The 2023 season. Is coming down the pipe, so we we'll get things started off with a Montana football hour. We'll let you know everything that happened, all the other details you might need to know when it comes to the nuances of all this realignment. The the dominoes that fell over the weekend. If you if you live in a cave, you got your head in the sand. Washington and Oregon are going to Big Ten. Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State are following Colorado to the Big Twelve. Therefore, the Pac-12 is no longer. The Pac-12 is the Pac-4. Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, Washington State, the only uh, colleges left standing when it comes to the Power 5 conference out west. There's only three Division I conferences out west. That's why this is certainly going to have an impact on the teams that we cover here uh, at uh, ESPN Radio as well as at Skyline Sports. So, uh, you know, when you're talking, what's next? Does the, the Pac-12... Now the Pac-4, do they merge with the Mountain West? Is there sort of a reallocation? Is there a realignment? And if there's some teams that need to move up to build conferences, are there some invites on the horizon? And if so, who are the teams, I guess the schools, the universities most likely to get invited? We'll break it all down here uh, in the first segment of the Montana Football Hour. Then we'll talk some fall camp. We do have Bobby Houck joining us uh, here about 4.30. We'll also have Julius Davis. He's a uh, transfer running back from the University of Wisconsin who joined the Bobcats earlier this summer and certainly expected to be a key cog in that record-setting MSU run game. And then we'll also keep talking about position battles that we'll have our eyes on. It's hard to have your eyes on anything because actually, ironically, Montana practice is actually open for uh, from start to finish when they're at Dornblazer Field. You can't tweet anything from there. You can't report anything out of practice that you see, but you are allowed to watch. At Montana State and pretty much everywhere else in the country, you got to leave. You only can watch for half an hour. So when we are talking about the position battles we were, quote-unquote, watching, it's actually the ones we should say we're monitoring and talking about, asking about, rather than what we're actually watching because we're actually not allowed to really watch anything, and the stuff we watch at Montana we're not really allowed to to report on it anyways. There is some stuff we can report. You know, like, for example, I was just down at Grizz practice for about an hour. As expected, Eli Gilman, the sophomore running back out of Minnesota. He looks really good. I thought all the quarterbacks had a lot of intrigue, and there's certainly going to be a new starting quarterback at Montana with Lucas Johnson moving on. So we can tell you stuff like that. Hey, this guy physically looks good. Jake Olson, another one, a kid from Butte, uh, Butte, America, who just stood out instantly. We can tell you stuff like that. It's just more like, oh, so-and-so's in a walking boot. Or, oh, they're running this trips-wide receiver set where Aaron Fonts gets loose in the slot. We can't tell you that kind of stuff. So we do sort of have to tread the line in terms of our access there. But impressions on individual guys, the way that position battles are going to play out, we'll have all that for you. We'll also have Bobby Howick and Julius Davis here uh, as part of the Montana Football Hour. Hour number two, we're setting the formula. This is going to be the formula all fall long. We're going to go college football in hour one, NFL football in hour two. So happy to announce that we will be back for season three of the Monday afternoon quarterback with Coach Marty Martin-Morneweg, more than 25 years in the NFL, and become a great friend of the show, a great friend of mine. Love having him on the radio. And uh, we're still ironing out the details, but have no fear. Coach will be sitting in the chair the second hour of each Monday show. He's not here today. We're not launching the segment for probably a week or two. But I'm going to give you... Some just general NFL talk. I got bold predictions for all eight NFL divisions. And I also have who I think is going to be the front runner uh, in each of the eight divisions as well. And then we'll also talk about what was perhaps the greatest upset in the history of American sport. I was really trying to think of this in terms of United States teams that were heavy favorites in international competition I don't really know if there's been a bigger upset than the United States women's national soccer team going to the World Cup as the two-time defending champions, the overwhelming favorites to win again, and not only not doing that, but barely making it out of the group stage, winning just one match, the duration of the World Cup, tying a couple others, and then losing uh, in the wee hours of the morning, Sunday morning, to Sweden. Uh, it's a upset of, of historic proportions when it comes to national teams uh, in uh, from, from the United States. So we'll talk about that uh, to take you home here uh, on your Monday. I'm Coulter Nuanez coming to you through the ESPN MT studio here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company. Missoula Broadcasting locally owned and operated for more than 15 years and happy to say so. Also got to say thank you to the man standing behind the glass, Tommy Evans, uh, filling in for a minute. The uh, The way that this works in terms of interviews, is the Grizz, they do their player interviews after practice. Well, since this is the first practice, it started at 2.30. It's not going to go very long. So it's probably getting close to wrapping up here in about 15 minutes. So Andrew Houghton is down there because he wants to get a hold of the quarterbacks. They're making the quarterbacks available for interviews just today and then not really for the rest of fall camp, or at least for the next couple weeks. So we wanted to have somebody on hand down there talking – with those guys and so in turn Tommy's uh, subbing in here I, I was thinking about you uh, over the weekend um, because you're like my connection to the, to the actual modern world I like live in 1967 all or- you
3: have to do is download TikTok <laughs> if you just get on TikTok you'd get so many more things see see,
0: I, I can't do the TikTok Tommy's always sending me the TikToks he's kind enough to like view, uh, video it on his screen but I was thinking about you because of this. Yeah, tell me. We, we're always talking about the rise of all these new age phenomenons. The new age phenomenon of becoming massively famous by broadcasting yourself on YouTube and having no other discernible reason why you're famous other than you just put videos of yourself on YouTube is crazy. You have these people that open toys, oh, yeah. they play video games, but perhaps the the most... Nonsensical famous people in terms of YouTube in the last 10 years are the Paul brothers, Jake and Logan Paul. These guys had a YouTube channel. They made YouTube videos every day for 850 straight days. Oh, geez. They built up a YouTube audience of more than 40 million subscribers. Their YouTube channels have a cumulative 10 billion hits on them and then they decide they're gonna go be these uh, sort of entrepreneurial promotional based athletes. Jake Paul has become this famous boxer, even though he's not actually boxing anybody. He's boxing non-box... I shouldn't say he's not boxing anybody. He's boxing famous people in the fighting world that aren't actually boxers. He fought Nate Diaz on Saturday night. He's... uh, Nate Diaz, of course, an MMA legend, a master of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but certainly an amateur boxer at best. Jake Paul is sort of like a semi-amateur, semi-pro boxer, but he's making money like no boxer's ever had before. His brother, Logan Paul, has parlayed this YouTube fame into uh, a gig with the WWE, and he's one of the most famous professional wrestlers now. Do you have any idea about these guys? Have you ever heard of these brothers? All I'm thinking about is how I'm going to
3: parlay my fame. <laughs> I think I'm going to be the next Gordon Ramsay, and that's my question. <laughs> Who would win in a fight, Jake Paul or Gordon Ramsay? Who oh, do you got?
0: Well, Jake Paul certainly... Really? I mean, Jake Paul is 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 training like... Uh, Like a professional boxer. It's really brilliant what he's doing. It's hard to hate on him from a business perspective. Are you joking? No. Well, see, okay, this is where I'm stuck at. Yeah. If Jake Paul was to fight a legitimately well-trained, great boxer who's a top 10 guy in that weight division right now, that guy would whip him. He would destroy Jake Paul. Jake Paul's fighting all these guys, though, that are great fighters that aren't boxers and he's outboxing him just like he did Nate Diaz on Saturday night.
3: Why did he decide he wants to fight anybody? Coulter? I it's, get it's, rich. It's, it's the, the last old, thing
0: I'm going to do is go swing and fist. It's, it's the old Max Kellerman saying, everybody's favorite sport is fighting. No,
3: no, it is not. My favorite sport is is eating unlimited sides of gourmet macaroni and cheese. I want crispy French fries from McDonald's, Coulter. I want a constant supply of fresh, crispy, sizzling, salted fries. My dream is not to go fighting people.
0: The, it's goofy. The the statement is, is true only because of this. You might be walking downtown Missoula and there's, you know, softball games going on there at McCormick Park, or there's a pickup game going on you know, down there at the basketball court, or the people are surfing on Brennan's wave. You might look for a second, and maybe you stop and watch and take it in, but probably not. If somebody was fighting anywhere near you, you would stop and watch.
3: Coulter, let me just go back to your question, (laughs) because no, I would not stop and watch. I would not. Do I know who Jake Paul is? The only reason I know who he is is because I keep hearing about him fighting. Yeah. But I hadn't heard of him prior to this. Does he like
0: review things on the YouTube? Uh, Like, no. These guys were just basically uh, being—I don't even know how to describe it. They're just broing out on YouTube, just doing funny stuff or outrageous stuff or look at the club I'm going to. Yeah. They're just being cool, you know, being quote unquote influencers or whatever. Yeah, I mean, they're good-looking guys that go to great parties or whatever, so that that part sort of makes sense. But I, I guess to bring this thing full circle, it's not even about the specifics of the deal. Jake Paul's on the cover of Sports Illustrated, even though he's not really an athlete, but he is an athlete. The, the, the question, though, is the way that you can define fame now is so interesting to me. It's not necessarily about your athletic accomplishments or or even your talents if you if you can build your own platform and promote yourself sort of unabashedly you can you can have unbelievable success.
3: Yeah, I think that there's an element where we just got to call it like it is and say the idea of fame in the traditional sense is just fully dead. And the, you know, digital revolution of digital advertising led this because here's the deal. If yep. you sell more clicks, if you sell more banner ads, you get to be on the front of whatever billboard magazine you yep. want because it's all about engagement. More engagement, more bucks in the pockets.
0: The the power issue is the issue that Jake Paul is on the cover of, and that analyzes the most quote-unquote powerful people in sports in terms of influence, brand recognition, all that sort of stuff. The other most striking part about that issue is they talk about Naomi Osaka. We've talked about Naomi Osaka on this show quite a bit. She hasn't won a tennis tournament since she won the Australian Open in 2021, so it's been more than two years. Yet she's been the highest paid female athlete in the in the world for four years in a row because of her sort of multicultural brand that she's built and the influence that she had, she's had, which is then a perfect parlay into this discussion about what's happening to college football. Guaranteed revenue is what's driving this fracturing of everything else. Back in the day, you used to think, okay, well, the only way you're going to be able to move up from the FCS to the FBS is to win five national championships like Georgia Southern did or win three national championships in a row like Appalachian State did. Well, that's not the case anymore. If you have the revenue generation, the projections, and you can add to a TV market... You can move up. Why is there space to move up? Because everybody at the top level is chasing the almighty dollar. It's the Montana football hour here on Nuon is Now. It's presented by Blackfoot Communications. I think that if I got rich, I would join
3: a NFL <laughs> team. I think I'd become a quarterback. <laughs> because it is Tommy as the asinine as Jake Paul just becoming a boxer and going on Sports it's Illustrated. He's not just
0: becoming a boxer. The dude made $40 million for his fight on Saturday night. For how? Because he runs his own pay-per-view promotion, too. Coulter, what are we doing sitting here? Right, that, exactly. Exactly. Uh, more on Jake Paul a little later on. But here, here's what's going on. The quick and dirty of what's going on at the top level of college football. This is the Montana Football Hour presented by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot is the official digital sponsor of Grizzly Athletics and Bobcat Sports. Visit goblackfoot.com to see how Blackfoot can help you and your small business. So, the news of the weekend started Friday morning with Washington and Oregon moving out of the Pac-12 into the Big Ten. More details on this have emerged over the weekend. The reason the timing is right now is because... The Pac-12 was supposed to sign—like, all the members of the Pac-12 were supposed to sign sort of an agreement, a contract, for the, the, the near future of the league. And it was going to come with a TV deal attached to Apple TV. Well, Washington and Oregon didn't like that TV deal. More specifically, they didn't like the fact that there was a out clause for everybody that signed this contract after two years— As the president of Oregon described on Andy Staple's podcast, she said, any deal that you're going to make, if there's an out in two years, you should be skeptical of that deal. So that's why Oregon, and and probably Washington as well, want to go into the Big Ten. They say stability, but you read between the lines, it's not about stability. This is straight up about money. So we'll get to how this affects both Montana and Montana State, but just some things you need to know. First of all, if you're talking about this, the, the, the barometer of uh, a holistic athletic department as a whole, Stanford University is the gold standard in the United States of America. Stanford offers all 32 varsity sports that can be offered at the collegiate level. Stanford puts an incredibly high priority on recruiting a diverse athletic department student body and a diverse student body overall. They put a high priority on being well-funded across the board in each and every one of the sports that they offer. And they've won the National President's Cup, I believe, six times in the last 10 years. So uh, they are absolutely, definitively, the, the most successful athletic department when it comes to all of the sports. But as you know, Stanford football, especially in recent years, has had a hard time keeping up with the Joneses. What does that come down to? Money. How would you like to be Stanford, though, where you have nationally competitive programs in everything from women's rowing to gymnastics to uh, horseback riding to, uh, you know, volleyball and tennis and track and field? Stanford is pretty good to really good in every sport that you possibly can have, and then all of their athletes are also great students because, of course, they are. They go to Stanford. What I'm getting at is that Stanford's doing this for the right reasons, and Stanford was the one true pillar institution in the Pac-12 that didn't chase the money, that didn't just take the money and run. They thought about it. They didn't want to get into the Big 10. They don't want their student athletes traveling from Stanford, California to Upstate New Jersey to play Rutgers or to College Park, Pennsylvania to play Penn State or to College Town, I mean, excuse me, College Town, Pennsylvania or College Park, Maryland. Regardless, you're talking about now there's multiple 3,000-plus-mile trips in the Pac-12 for their student-athletes. No one's talking about outside of football. Like when Washington plays Penn State, sure, in football, they're going to charter. It's still a long ways, but they're going to charter a direct flight. What about volleyball? What about soccer? What about softball? When you're in the conference season and you're the University of Washington and the University of Oregon and you got to make the East Coast swing – and you're playing a Thursday-Saturday volleyball schedule 3,000 miles away from your campus, and then you got to come back and be in class on Monday? Why are we promoting this facade that this has anything to do with the student part of student-athlete? They're sacrificing all of the livelihoods in terms of the academic standing of all of these students because of the pursuit of one thing, money, and the money is driven by one sport, and that's football. So how would you like to be Stanford? You you are sort of morally uh, superior to everybody else. You do stand your ground. You don't go chase the buddy, and then all of a sudden, boom, your conference disappears, and you're out to dry. I personally think that Stanford, there's there's rumors right now that Stanford's exploring maybe going to the ACC, and that Cal might be going that way as well. I personally think that Stanford's going to say no thank you to the ACC, and I think Stanford is going to go independent. I think they'll have the the ability uh, to then make their own schedules. You're talking about all those non-football sports. Why not have your women's soccer team just playing UC Davis and UC Irvine and Cal State Bakersfield and Nevada and Colorado State? Why would you ever want them going all the way over to the ACC for conference games with North Carolina and Wake Forest? It just doesn't make sense. So I think Stanford will go independent, but the ACC is also struggling to find stability. The Big Ten – is rolling. Then they've done a bunch to maybe catch up to the, the SEC. They're not quite there yet, but they're it's coming. SEC is the number one conference in the country. The Big Ten is the number two conference in the country. The Big 12 is the number three conference in the country. That's it. All three of those leagues are just fine. The Pac-12's dead. So where are we at with the ACC? Well, the ACC, you're probably thinking to yourself, great basketball league. North Carolina, Duke, NC State, Wake Forest, Miami. But... Football drives all the rest of the decision-making. Who else is in the ACC? Florida State. Clemson. What are those schools completely driven by? Football. Right now, as it stands today with the current TV contracts that are in place, schools in the SEC and the Big Ten stand to make $30 million more million per year than Clemson and Florida State from football revenue. How, would, how can Florida State and Clemson keep up? They can't unless they leave the ACC. If they leave the ACC, where are they going? The SEC, of course they are. So then what happens to the ACC? Are they trying to get Stanford to Cal? Where else do they go? And then it comes all the way down, the dominoes fall, all the way to the bottom of the hill. And Oregon State and Washington State are just standing outside in the cold saying, look at us, what do we do? They're both land-grant institutions. They're both good schools, but they don't have the media draw. They don't have the the prestige of their Pac-12 counterparts. They just left them in the dust. So then that's going to fracture again. So here's my prediction, and I I, I am so far, I'm batting 1,000 on this. I told you months ago that Washington and Oregon were going to the Big Ten and that Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado were going to the Big 12. It all happened like, boom, blink of an eye. But I told you months ago that was what's going to happen. Now here's my next prediction. I think Stanford... Will be a defendant. I think Cal, TBD. I don't know what Cal's going to do if they if they drop down to and just went Division two. You, you might say that's crazy. How do you go Power Five to D two? Well, there's only two Power Five schools that have been operating at an athletic department budget deficit since the Power Five sort of came of age and took over the college football playoffs away from the NCAA. That's Cal and Washington State. So if if Cal could could find some money-saving measures. I I don't know. It wouldn't completely shock me. But let's just put Cal over here on the shelf, and let's just say Stanford's independent. I think Washington State and Oregon State are going to be looking for new partners. So I got this conference, this potential conference presented to me over the weekend. Washington State, Oregon State, and then San Diego State, Fresno State, San Jose State, UNLV, Nevada, Boise State, Utah State, Colorado State, Air Force, Wyoming, Hawaii, New Mexico. So what is that? That's the Mountain West Conference plus Washington State and Oregon State. That's 14 teams. Sounds okay. Sounds pretty good. Then you hear uh, the interview recently with Wyoming's athletic director, and he says that he doesn't know what's going to happen, but he hopes that Wyoming can stay aligned with what he calls the front schools, which is the Rocky Mountain Front. Those schools include Wyoming, Utah State, Colorado State, Air Force, and New Mexico. So that's five schools. So here's here's what I actually think is going to happen. I think those five schools will band together, and they'll try to recruit other schools for a new Division I FBS football playing conference. Then I think the the more sort of quote-unquote West Coast schools will make another one, which will basically be like the new age, the, 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 uh, the redone, revamped, realigned version of of the PAC-slash-Mountain West. I think that conference would, will, will be nine teams, Oregon State, San Diego State, Washington State, San Jose State, Fresno State, UNLV, Nevada, Boise State, and Hawaii. So then who does Wyoming, Utah State, Colorado State, Air Force, and New Mexico pair up with? Well, I think that you pair up with the following, and I think it's in this order. Sac State, according to feasibility studies, because of their state subsidization, their student athletic fees, Their bolstered enrollment and the booster money that they have behind it, if and when they do go FBS, plus the fact that they're in a multi-million person media market, makes Sac State the number one candidate to align with some of those other uh, Intermountain, Rocky Mountain schools. Maybe, though, that West Coast Conference with, like, San Diego State and San Jose State goes after Sac instead. Who knows? But I do think that, I don't think, I know the two teams that are the, the two schools, I should say, that are the most ready to move up to the FBS or Sacramento State and Northern Arizona. It's a huge disconnect for most of the people listening to this show because you guys are, most of you are either Montana or Montana State fans. You either root on the Grizz or the Cats. And you're thinking to yourself, well, the the Grizz have played for the national championship seven or eight times in the last 25 years. The Grizz have two national titles. The Cats have won... What, seven Big Sky titles over the last 18 to 20 years? Including uh, as the defending Big Sky champs? Washington Grizz is sold out every weekend. Bobcat Stadium sold out every weekend. What gives? Why is Sac State, who's new on the scene uh, when it comes to actual postseason qualification even, why is Sac State ready? Why? How is NAU a team that draws 4,000 fans a game? How are they ready to move up to the FBS? Well, here's the deal. It's cuz of the state subsidization, the student enrollment, the student athletic fees that that student enrollment generates and then the media market. That's why Sac State and NAU are the two schools that are FCS right now out west that are ready to move up. UC Davis is probably third in that mix. But then if if you're going to make one new Division 1 conference, maybe nobody has to move up yet. Maybe it's just the Pac-West and the Big Sky, two tiers out west. But if you do have a sort of a divide, and there's now two FBS conferences, let's say it's this West Coast conference with Oregon State, San Diego State, Washington State, San Jose State, Fresno State, ULV, Nevada, Boise State, and Hawaii. Maybe, maybe the California schools fit in there better. But I'm so interested in Wyoming's AD's comments and wanting to stay with the front schools. If you stay with the front schools, you've got Wyoming, Utah State, Colorado State, Air Force, and New Mexico. From a regionality standpoint, a rivalry standpoint, and everything in between, what sounds better than adding Montana, Montana State, Weber State, and Idaho to that? That'd be a nice little nine-team league. You got some familiarity. You got some regionality. You get a TV deal. I don't know, but there's a lot holding back the Montana schools. That's what we'll we'll, uh, finish with. Again, when you're thinking about if and when the Cats and the Grizz can move up, you got to remember. Media market, Montana is a very small one, but they do have great regional and national brands. Each each university does. Revenue generation model. The Cats and the Grizz each make the majority of their revenue off of ticket sales rather than off of subsidization from the state or student athletic fees. You also are going to have to raise a bunch of money in some form or fashion if you do move up to the FBS because you're going to have to add a sport or two to appease Title IX requirements. Then you also need to project regional feasibility as well, the travel budgets uh, of what this is going to have. But a lot of those costs could get offset by a new TV deal, by a conference deal, a whole bunch of other stuff. So we'll see, but that's the way that the uh, dominoes have fallen so far. What do you think of all of this? What's the ideal league for Montana and Montana State? What's the ideal conferences For the Western United States now, the Pac-12 is dead and gone. Text us. Let us know. 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. Text us and let us know what you think. And thanks so much for tuning in to Nuwana's Now. It's the Montana Football Hour presented by Blackfoot Communications. Visit goblackfoot.com to see how Blackfoot can help you and your small business. Bobby Houck, head coach of the Grizz. Julius Davis. Running back for Montana State. Both next. Keep it right here. is now ESPN Radio. that people have bad days, and that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschulteilaw.com.
2: Oh! one is now. Point nine ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television.
0: I know Tommy's just trying to pick a fight with me right now. It's Noadas Now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Foo Fighters were in Big Sky last night. Heard it was a rocking good show. I was trying to play some foo for you here today on your Monday to you know get you back snapped awake. Now that football's here. I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't have the song list.
3: I was monkeying with your new cameras. I just totally messed those up see, too. My bad, Coulter. But I had John Mayer on not cuz I was listening to him, okay? But I knew that you might want well, to listen to him. See,
0: there you go cuz Tommy refuses to believe me that John Mayer is good. I understand that John Mayer the uh, the person is rather annoying sometimes and you know, he gets himself in some PR mix-ups and you know, famous girlfriends and all these things, but Uh, He's a great guitar player, and uh, I just like his music. And, you know, Tommy's coming around maybe a little bit. Uh, It is new on now. You are listening to the Montana Football Hour. We are uh, tight right now, so we're going to keep on rolling. We'll play some Bobby Houck for you right now, and then we'll hear from Julius Davis running back for Montana State in segment number three. But right now, here's Bobby Houck. The Montana Grizzlies opened up their 12th fall camp under Coach Houck, and he still loves it as much as anybody here is the head coach of the Montana Grizzlies. Was there anything in particular that was different about this off season, or I guess how do you keep stuff fresh uh, when it comes to the off season training regime?
1: Uh, nothing's different, um, but it's always fresh. Every day you get to earn it. Um, there's always. Uh, Study to do. There's always uh, young players to to learn along, so it's always fresh.
0: How would you evaluate just the way that your guys uh, attacked this off season? Uh, I thought it was good. It's
1: uh, you know, probably redundant. i will probably tell you that every year, but it is good. They work hard.
0: How do you think that translates into just the style that y- you want to play? Well,
1: you get to the starting line ready to go. I mean, if you want to, you want to be good at something, you have to. try for it athletically. Uh, and then, you know, have the academic standpoint, you have to study it and know it. So, you know, I, I think it translates into
0: better preparation, that's better play. When, when it comes to the studying part, I mean, you guys do so much install before you actually get out here on the field. How do you think that these guys absorbed all that? And, and why is it that you do it that way? Well, just like anything else, whether it's math
1: or football, the more times you you go through a, a problem or uh, an equation, the better you get at doing it, the faster you can do it, the more second nature becomes. It's the same and football's the same way, so um, repetition is is the best thing in my mind that uh, people can do
0: to learn something. The, The classroom side of all that, is that hard for the young guys from a learning curve perspective?
1: Well, guys are all different. I mean, if you go back to learning how to teach, if you're in education. Uh, they're different. Everybody learns differently. So we use different methods, different modes of uh, educating our guys. And, and, you know, certain things click for certain people. And you tr- you have to cover them all because everybody has to know what they're doing. So you, you try to hit everybody with something that uh, or a way of learning that works for them. What's something you want to learn about this team? during fall camp? Uh, nothing really. I mean, I know pretty good. So nothing really. We just got to get ready for the first game.
0: What's well, something over the years when it comes to just preparing for a fall camp? I know there's obviously some guidelines as far as how many padded days or whatnot, but over the years, how much have you kind of been able to dial that in to perfection as far as how you want to plan for it, big picture, and just make the most efficient of your time? Well, the
1: rules continue to change surrounding the structure um they also change in terms of the summer and what you're able to get done and require in the summer. so all of that kind of balances out um but you have to be ready to go and play college football by the time you get to the first of september and, you know we're pretty we try to be pretty scientific about that hopefully we are and i think that uh Historically, uh, because of the way we approach it, I think we've been ready for the first
0: games. When the last game you guys played was against a team like North Dakota State that's had so much success. This off season, kind of seeing the successes you guys maybe had against them, how much has that been maybe a talking point or any motivation? I guess seeing what you guys kind of did against a team like a program like theirs, you guys try to get there as well. Um,
1: no, not really. I mean, we're, we're, we're worried about us, you know. We're not worried about anybody else. But in terms of studying the offseason, I mean, you're always spending time. I mean, we watch a, a lot of film. We have a lot of meeting and discussion about where we're going with, uh, with what we're doing. And, and that's all part of it. We obviously, in the offseason, review all of our games. And in every given season, some of them have better performances than others. Some of them look better on one side of the ball in the kicking game and others. Yeah, that's the nature of the football season. So, uh, wow. you know, from the time the season gets over, really, from the time recruiting gets over, we spend spent a lot of time evaluating and, and uh, trying
0: to get better. Expectations for the Grizz are obviously always high, but are pressures similar year to year from, like, a coach's perspective, like pressures of the job, pressures of the expectations? Like, do you notice that, or is that even something you think about?
1: Well, the only expectation I'm really aware of care about and that's to you win know, every week I want to win
0: because you know this team well what do you expect the, the identity of this team to be because you know this team so well what do you expect the identity of this team to be
1: well, I think this will be just like uh, all of our grizzly teams they'll be uh, uh Disciplined, they'll be detailed. They'll be mentally and physically tough. And they'll play hard and play to win.
0: You obviously lost the three All-Americans. A couple guys getting NFL shots right now, and um, but some guys back into that safety room is pretty deep for you guys again. D line things like that. What are you kind of expecting out of those returners to help? Maybe a little bit of a younger squad than maybe last year on defense. Well, I don't.
1: I think I said this to you earlier, but um, you know, when you lose three All-Americans on defense. I of Georgia just rolls people in. But we've got guys that are coming up through the ranks. That's part of college football. Um, we'll have to make plays around the positions that those guys play. We don't expect necessarily the guy that replaces them or the guys um, to make the same number of plays that we're probably expecting too much. But we expect to play good defense.
0: We saw how much having corners that can really cover impact the defense in a positive way. How important is that position, especially that position, battle during this fall camp? So you're referring to the quarterbacks. I mean, just just how much having guys that can cover helps you guys in the defensive oh, right. scheme. Yeah, I mean, at corner you better be able to cover. You
1: better uh, have somebody else in there. I maybe. Mean, you know, and
0: uh, yeah, corners, they have to cover guys. And a lot of up and covers in that That's spot. Too, so. A lot of up and comers at that spot, though. So are you excited to watch that position battle?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would exclusively point to that. It's something I'm excited about. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to watch our guys play. I always uh, enjoy watching young guys kind of work their way into the mix. And again, like I said earlier, that's the nature of college football.
0: What's your fa- favorite and least favorite part
1: about the first week of camp? I don't really have a least favorite. Um, I, I like being out here with them. I mean, practice is the best part of my day and my week and Session. So I love
0: being out here. How have you made that sustain? Because you, you've said that for years and years, that being out here is your favorite part. How, how do you make that sustainable?
1: Well, it, it's easy. I mean, you're competitive, you love football, and you love your guys. It's simple. <laughs> it's, it's easy. I don't, I don't have any.
0: Uh, that's never mean. Head coach of the Montana Grizzlies, Bobby Houck, here on the Montana Football Hour. You're listening to Nuanas now. Montana Football Hour. Probably presented by Blackfoot Communications. Visit goblackfoot.com to see how Blackfoot can help you and your small business. From Grizz Fall Camp to Bobcat Fall Camp, they got a hotshot running back transfer out of the University of Wisconsin. How did he make his way from Madison to Bozeman? Julius Davis will join us next. The Montana Football Hour rolls on. Keep it right here. ESPN Radio. Jewelry Design Center, now open in Missoula at 2501 Brook Street, across from the Montana Club. Jewelry Design Center, your jeweler for life.
2: This is is Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula.
0: So great. So if you were in Big Sky last night watching Dave Grohl and the boys, lucky you. is Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. And the ESPN MT app. Julius Davis, running back for Montana State, joining us here on the Montana Football Hour. Here in just a minute, but quickly, here's some news briefs from over the weekend in a positive fashion. College football has fallen apart, but the FCS is alive and well. The uh, the FCS Top 25 preseason poll is out, conducted by Stats Perform. South Dakota State, the defending national champions, are the unanimous number one in the preseason. All 56 first place votes to the Jackrabbits. North Dakota State, who was the national runner-up a year ago, they're the number two team in the poll. Montana State, the defending Big Sky Conference champions, are number three. William and Mary, who played the Bobcats in the quarterfinals a year ago and were the Colonial Athletic Association champions, they are number four. And Holy Cross, who's led by uh, Matt Sitka, one of the great dual-threat quarterbacks in the country, they are number five in the country. Furman is number six. Incarnate Word, seven. Seven. Idaho is in at eight, one of six Big Sky teams in the top 16. Sanford comes in at number nine. Sac State is at number 10, so three Big Sky teams in the top 10. Weber State is number 13, Montana number 14, and UC Davis is number 16. We'll get into what all that means probably in the second hour. The All-American lists are also out, according to stats perform FCS. 19 Big Sky guys on the squad, including five on the first team, Hayden Hatton, a junior wide receiver out of Idaho, and Marshall Martin, a senior tight end out of Sac State, are on the first-team offense. Maxwell Anderson of Weber State, uh, who's a senior as well, he is uh, on the first team as a defensive player. And then junior long snapper Tommy Sullivan at MSU and junior kicker turner Abraham Williams of Weber State are the other first-team selections. More on those guys in our number two, plus more on the Walter Payton Award watch list Uh, Nominees and the Buck Buchanan Award watch list nominees coming up as well. But right now, let's hear from one of the newest Bobcats. He comes to Bozeman by way of Massa, Wisconsin, and is expected to play a big role in Montana State's offense this year. The Montana Football Hour rolls on. Our coverage from across the state of Montana as we get you all set up. We're just a few weeks away from season openers at both Montana State and Montana. We're joined now by one of the newest Bobcats, a running back there at MSU, It's Julius Davis. Julius, thanks so much for joining us, man. How you doing?
2: I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be
0: here. First of all, just tell us about uh, your path to Montana State. You you transfer from Wisconsin. Wisconsin's certainly one of the most storied and uh, prominent football programs in the country. But you make your way to Bozeman. Uh, What was the connection? How did you first make your way to Bozeman? What was the recruiting process like?
2: Um, you know, going through the process, uh, it was a long you know, process that I had to really think deep down about what the best decision was for me. Um, and while going through that process, uh, Coach Johnson, one of my former coaches, uh, now works here at Montana State, had mentioned uh, Montana State, but ultimately wanted the best, the best for me. Um, and he thought Montana State would be that, so you know I gave it a try, gave it a look, came out here and visited, and turns out he was right. So
0: you're a Wisconsin guy, right? That's where you went to high school. Yes, sir. Uh, so was that was it difficult to, to leave Wisconsin, having grown up there, or what? What do you think of just being in Montana so far?
2: Uh, it definitely it was difficult to leave. Um, because obviously you know change change is always difficult. Um, But change is what you also need to grow. Um, so I think that change is what I needed to be able to grow and be the best version of myself. Um, definitely wasn't easy, but so far I'm, I'm enjoying my time here in here in Montana. You know, you can't complain with looking at mountains every time you come out to practice. So, How,
0: how was uh, just Montana in general compared to what you thought it was going to be like? H- had you ever been to Montana before, before you moved out?
2: No sir, I
0: have I've never been to Montana. Um,
2: you know, kind of my initial thoughts of, of Montana was, you know, more cowboys, wild, wild west. But it's nothing like that. It's awesome
0: here. <laughs> That's the funniest it's part, funny. right? Is is you get to Bozeman, and you're like, oh, Bozeman's a real city. It's it's not <laughs> it's not just a tiny cowboy town, right? A hundred percent. What's the town that you're from? Like uh, Menamomi, Am I saying that right? Uh, yes, yeah, so I went to Menominee Falls High School okay. recently from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay. Um,
2: so it's, it's a little different, but, you know, the one thing that montana has that milwaukee does not have is mountains for sure and (laughs) the people are very genuine here so uh it's a great place to be i really enjoy it Uh, so yeah
0: julius davis joining us here on nuan is now espn radio part of our montana football hour we do this the first hour of each monday show breaking down college football from across the treasure state Uh, i went to milwaukee for the first time this summer i loved it i thought it was awesome great small city and I do think that's one thing you'll notice, too, is that people in Wisconsin and in Milwaukee are very nice, and I think people in Montana are, too. So have you gotten that sort of feedback? I mean, do you sort of feel the welcoming nature so far in Montana? Oh, yeah. I definitely
2: do. I'd say this. Uh, insider, my first day here in Montana, I went to the post office, and I, I was offered a ride by by one of the nice. citizens here at Bozeman. And that was, like, kind of my little icebreaker and like, okay, this is what Bozeman's like. Like, this is awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's super cool. How you doing health-wise? I know you, you struggled with a hamstring there at Wisconsin. Uh, how's that coming along? You back to, to full health?
2: Uh, oh, yeah, 100%. Um, it's great. You know, here with the way we run practice and the way we, we do things, Um, I think all props to our coaches, our staff. Uh, they, they got us in very good condition. Uh, And make sure we stay on top of our our recovery and rehab and prehab uh, to prevent things to happen. So I'm feeling very good right now. Um, You know, obviously it's day four in the camp, so that process has to continue, but um, it is great so far.
0: When it comes to the SACLAMATING to to the scheme and stuff like that, I mean, I know Wisconsin always puts a high priority on running the ball, so does Montana State. So uh, how's that transition been? Do you see a lot of familiarities?
2: Um, I would say to a degree, um, you know, football is going to be football, but you also got to kind of adjust to the different the different uh, schemes. You know, it is kind of similar, but it's it, it got it has its own unique ways. Um, but I've been I've been acclimated to it uh, very well these last couple of days. Um, you know, the first day is not going to look. The second day is not going to look as bad as the first day, um, and the third day is not going to look as bad as the second day. Um, so it's, it's just really trying to stack days on top of days, improving and learning um, from here on out into that first week and then continuing that.
0: So The most impressive part about what the Cats have done on offense the last couple years to me is that they're running the ball you know, 55, 60 times a game 35-plus minutes in time of possession, yet they're still running so many plays and they're scoring 45 points a game. So it's not like it's just this slow ground-and-pound. It's an up-tempo, you know, high-speed, hurry-up offense with also a bunch of run elements in it. What do you like about that?
2: I think it's, it's, it's amazing because while we train for that, other schools necessarily aren't, aren't, aren't training for that. Um, so it kind of gives us an advantage um, and... It's something new, and I'm excited for it. I think they they have a great culture. They have a great scheme. they got great coaches that have a vision, um, and they have great players and leaders to to promote that vision. And and I'm just excited to be a part of it and and continue the tradition here at Montana State.
0: Very cool. Julius Davis joining us a Wisconsin Transfer into Montana State. Bobcats are into the heart of fall camp and going for about four days there uh, in Bozeman. Julius, a running back there uh, for MSU. Uh, last couple of things for you. Then, I mean, what what do you hope to get done over these next couple of weeks? What what are just the immediate goals for this fall camp for you and your group and your and the rest of the offense?
2: I'd say I say us as a, as an offense and as a position group, uh, we just want to be the best the best we can be right now um, and be the best in the Big Sky. That that's our goals. Um, we want not want to cut anything less, um, but we have high expectations for ourselves. We have high standards and. You know, we, we're we very accountable in making sure that we hold ourselves to that standard. So,
0: Well, very good. Best of luck with all of it, man. Julius Davis here on Nuwana's Dow. Thanks for taking some time, man. We'll surely catch up with you throughout the season, but uh, stay healthy and good luck preparing for the year.
2: Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on here. Go guys
0: be fascinating to see how the Montana State run game evolves, but they have certainly done a great job of catering to their personnel. They were so uh, run heavy with the inside zone when Isaiah Fonse was the feature back two years ago, and then with Fonse out last year, they moved to an outside zone run scheme, and that helped a variety of ball carriers, whether it was uh, Lane Sumner or Jared White, uh, even though he only played briefly during the year, or Garrett Kuhn or Marquis Johnson or Elijah Elliott. On down the line, they had five different players reach 100 yards rushing in a single game from the running backs room alone, and then two more quarterbacks in Tommy Millant and Sean Chambers. So the Bobcat run game, certainly diverse, and adding another talented uh, name to it uh, certainly will bolster uh, an already potent run game there at MSU. It's the Montana Football Hour. It's presented by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications, the official digital sponsor of both Grizz and Bobcat Athletics. Hour one of the books, hour two coming at you. Andrew Houghton back in the chair. So he'll give us some thoughts from what he saw down there at at Grizz Fall Camp. Plus, we'll talk some NFL and some Women's World Cup. Don't change the dial. Keep it right here. ESPN Radio.